let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass, but we're not alone this week, are we, Martin? No, mate. Uh, just like to welcome Sean O'Reilly to the show as a returning guest. Thanks. It's uh, lovely to have you back. Uh, no, it's lovely for you to have me back. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yes, yes, we are. We are very pleased to have you back on on this week's show. And it's uh, it's not a normal show this week. So uh, this is the return of uh, something we used to do on the old Beer O'Clock show. This is a homebrew special. This is something I never used to listen to, Steve. We, yeah, we haven't done one of these yet as opinions because I, I, I suppose because predominantly we always used to record in person. Yes. And obviously what with the world changing a little bit and us changing to using Zoom a lot more now, we thought what better way to continue our 10th anniversary celebrations than to bring back an old favourite. And this is a favourite of listeners. People have asked for the homebrew shows to come back for many years. Yeah, they have indeed. And I, I can't believe our 10-year celebrations are going to be going on longer than the, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, to be Oh, they're, going on, they're extending these all year. But, <laughs> Sean, it is great to have you on with us as a home brewer. Now, we will just say we were going with the old format and the, uh, originally tonight. We were going to have three home brewers with us and try three different beers. But for one reason or another, they started dropping like flies. And we're trying not to take that personally. Um, but it was more clashes with schedules. and Yeah, job and, and family life yeah. got in the way however we have still got three beers to get through we have because sean has given us three beers uh and we're very excited about trying all three of these so sean would you like to introduce the first beer that we're going to try tonight okay well um so the first beer that we're trying is the um very romantically entitled bc0201 <laughs> <laughs> why it has that's such a peculiar name um but this is this is a best bitter um it was uh brewed uh it's coming hmm, uh, yeah just a couple of months ago now um coming at 4.5 percent it's got the classic classic english hops uh bramling cross fuggles east kent goldings so a very very traditional old school best bitter is what i was aiming for with this one uh but you can be the judge of whether i achieve that or not it, it certainly looks the part in the glass and it certainly yeah. smells the part. I as, as agree well. on both those points and it is in the glass. We haven't tried it yet. Let's let's do it. All cheers. Right, cheers. Oh, that's good. Do you want to go with your catchphrase first or mine? <laughs> <laughs> let's avoid them for a bit. Um, I think the first thing I got on the nose was that sort of a, a bit of an orange, mar an orange marmalade nose. Um, and also, the oh, I know I... I you can correct me when I get this wrong, but that always feels like that sort of element comes from the Bramling Cross, which seems a bit of a favourite with home brewers as mm. well. Yeah, Bramling Cross is a lovely hop. I do really like it, and it does give that orangey, that slight orangey thing. It, um, it is a bit reminiscent of, of the Fuller's Yeast profile, I think, but it isn't a Fuller's Yeast that I've used. Um, so, yeah, that'll be coming from the hops, absolutely. And I've just realised, actually, as, as I'm drinking, the version I've got is very slightly different to yours because this batch um, I actually split and uh, I dry hopped some of it before I bottled it. Um, and I've actually realised I've got the, the version that's dry hopped. So mine is very slightly different to yours, but but not a great deal. It finishes yeah. really nice, though. It's a very, yeah, it it's a very easy 4.7, I think. It's a very easy 4.7. Yeah, carbonation's good. Um, now feels yeah. nice. So, yeah, first one. What do you think, Steve? 
I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it looks beautiful in the glass. It's got a lovely tight head on on it as well, which is really adding to the drinking experience. The condition of it, Sean, is is, is absolutely bang on. This got is still a bit of sparkling. Yeah, still, hasn't this it? is this is cracking. Um, I'm I'm really I, I think I've become a little bit more attuned to when Fuggles is in a beer, and I get quite excited about it now. Two, which... I reckon there's two reasons for that. <laughs> One utopian yes more than likely <laughs> but also are you know some of the recent knowledge we picked up with Adams yes uh, yeah about yeah. uh Southall bitter being dry hopped with fuggles and my appreciation of that has definitely gone up oh it's completely changed my view on that beer um I, I think I always underappreciated it yeah felt it was a good beer knew it was a good beer but it was like it was almost that oh, it's not ghost ship or one of the other beers that I really like from them but when you hear them talk about it and uh everything else that they've told us about it you go okay i never knew you did that yeah and then i always think oh dry hopping modern it's only been the last five years people have been doing dry hopping evidently i was talking bollocks <laughs> yeah just just for a change <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's one of those a lot of people don't don't you know aren't aware of that dry hopping you know goes back definitely well into the 19 early 19th century it has been around you know it's as old as the hills um but it's one of those things that everyone thinks is this like amazing new craft invention uh but actually you know traditional brewers have been doing it for donkey's years um the other thing i think you know like talking about fuggles and a lot of these english hops have, have not got the greatest reputation um and i think it's a shame um that you know you can actually do really good stuff with them um but they've got that reputation of being a bit boring and old-fashioned and, and it's great to see them being appreciated again now so what was the what was your inspiration be, behind using the, the the hops in this was it uh was it what you had in the cupboard was it a recipe that you designed were you following uh, a recipe of something else how, how did you come on this combination um it was i suppose it's a combination of a few of those factors really um I mean, I don't keep my hops in the cupboard because they would spoil very quickly. So the hops, the hops are in a drawer of the freezer um, because they keep better that way. Um, and they, they were all hops that, you know, they're hops that I, that I usually have in the freezer. Um, so, so it wasn't a surprise that I had them available. And then why, why did I settle on them? Um, I think it was, I suppose it's, it, it's about the kind of beer that I'm trying to produce. So, this was a beer that um, I was thinking about a particular drinker um, and, and I was thinking, right, this this person represents a certain class of, you know, trad English ale drinkers. And, you know, and I know that if, if this this person is going to like this beer, then probably other people will, too. So it was um, I, I what I did actually start off looking at published recipes of, of a few beers um and then sort of like taking some inspiration from there and playing about with things um and um yeah and kind of just riffing on what other people had done in order to devise my own particular recipe um but yeah looking for a very kind of you know traditional you know northern best bitter uh was, was what i was aiming for i i think you've achieved that i i think i think the flavor profile the the, the way it looks the mouthfeel the finish everything that you get in that says screams traditional bitter doesn't it yeah <clears throat> i just need a beer engine for it right now and, and more quantity yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's very pertinent you should mention that, Martin, because today is in fact the 237th anniversary of the patent of the beer engine. Um, and without that, you know, everything would be on, on gravity, which would be a crime. Yeah. Shame. Okay. <laughs> Two things there. What what an awful alternative version <laughs> of the world that would have been. There's the multiverse for you. And and secondly, who knew we were going to get facts tonight? I know. Well, everyone knew they weren't getting them from us. That, yeah, that's that, that's true. That's a great one. Great fact. They rely on guests. Yeah. For facts. Yeah. I, I have to just go. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about home brewing and, and future plans. But one of the things I have found sometimes when I do have people's home brew, I think we've both been quite lucky over the years to get it either officially or unofficially, that conditioning. Mm. And that seems to be one of the one of the biggest challenges at times, Sean. Is that is that a fair point to make? Um, yeah, it is because I mean, it, you know, there's a number of factors that go into it. There's the, um, you know, clearly there's the amount of, of um, priming sugars that you've got in the bottle to, to give the carbonation, but then there's other factors around the, the recipe, the, you know, the, the type of malts that you're using um, can affect the way that the, the, the beer has its body, um, and you can you can lose condition. Um, you know, very quickly, if, if you haven't got a nice, you know, a decent body to a beer, uh, it can just feel thin and, and fizzy. Um, so, yeah, but getting that balance right is, um, I guess it is a little bit of an art, but, you know, it's an art that plenty of home brewers get right on a regular basis. Um, and I think that thing about homebrew, people talk about, oh, it tastes like homebrew. And we all know what they mean. And I brewed some awful homebrew many, many years ago. But I think, you know, you've drunk a lot of homebrew from various people, both of you guys. And the idea that homebrew means lower quality is just not true these days. There's plenty of homebrewers that knock out fantastic quality. I think, um, you know, uh, Jager said the same on, on the show a, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, um, so, yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, but that seems to be that the, that was seems to be the one that I've come across the most rarely a bad beer or necessarily a faulty beer it's just that i couldn't picture it being a cask beer because of the the the, the you know the body the mouthfeel however your one the head on this is still hanging around yeah even got a bit of lacing on the glass as well I know. that's what's that's what's really impressing me with it um, it's all still there just to be clear sean there's a little bit of pressure on your second second and third beers <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a high bar that you've set at the start. It really is. I mean, that's that's a good position to be in, to be fair, though, isn't it? <laughs> Probably even better that it's just you. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, if we did have the three homebrewers on right now, the other two would probably be like, "Oh, no, we'll, we'll leave mine. It's all right." <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's, I'm halfway through mine already. I, I am. We should we should probably crack on with uh, some more of the show while we're drinking this, and then we'll come back and obviously, Sean, we're going to chat to you throughout the show about your homebrewing, your experience, your journey, and where you're going with it as, as as well, because we know you've got you've got some plans to maybe take it a little bit further. But before we get to to, to all of that, let's catch up with what our listeners have been saying about the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. From Pete at Hops and Hoops. Great show. Ticked all the boxes. Just wish it had been warmer today. Your boy, Rob Edwards. This episode ticks all the boxes when it comes to catchphrases. I am very excited for summer sesh, and I've started thinking about what records to play for socially distancing sounds live. And from Mark Johnson, enjoyable stuff. Sorry that most of the responses to this show have involved the catchphrases in some way. Interesting to hear about Boson Smallpack. 
I knew them well when they were Huddersfield based. Won my branding of the year in Golden Pints one year just for the, this pumpkin. Obviously, I can't show you the picture, listeners. However, <laughs> trust me, it involved a terrier and a Huddersfield colours as a badge. Yes. So I can't imagine why Mark Johnson gave them the prize. I, I, I can't. And thank you so much, Mark, for um, <laughs> highlighting the catchphrases that we overuse. Because uh, not a single listener picked up on that at all, <laughs> did they? Um, not at all, no. And now we are watching every single word we say, just in case we, we drop any of those in. From Paul at UNRCD, great episode, gents. I really felt that you had got your mojo back. And I, I just want to pause on that one because I, I, I think we felt that as well, didn't we? I know uh, the last few weeks for us, we've, we've had a bit of stumbles here and there with some of the shows, some of the content, some hiccups in terms of recording. But I know that we got off of that last recording and we were both like, yeah, really enjoyed that one. Yes. Yeah, definitely. We said it straight away. Yeah. As soon as you press stop. Yeah. Yeah. Could have gone on. That, that yeah. one could have gone on a lot longer. Definitely. It, it really could have done. Uh, from Michael at Mick McGrawty. I finally had the time to listen to the latest show. Great show, guys. Always nice to have a show with just Stephen Martin shooting the shit. And I'm glad I'm not just a boring cynic about beer. And there are many more people like me. From Boomman's Beer Reviews. Really enjoyed this show on my sudden lounge in Greece. I feared the way you'd done the poll would be a challenge, but you pulled it off. Very interesting to hear where people thought they were on the scale. From Austin at Beer Tweeting, teasers. One more interview, a very special guest. Now, in my head, Ken Grossman is flying over for the Eastern Edge launch. Well, Austin was very close there, wasn't he? He was incredibly <laughs> close with that it's guess. One sibling away from, <laughs> from Ken. That's that's all it was. And Dino ITFC really enjoyed this one, lads. Short and to the point. Yep, like that. Uh, from Luon Brew for America. Yes. Now that's in relation to the tune at the end of the song <laughs> um, that, that that I put on, which was uh, a moment of inspiration for me as well. I was really struggling to find a closing tune for the last show and then suddenly came up with that one. I was like, oh, I haven't heard that for years and it worked perfectly. And then finally from Simon Dewhurst at Simon Sloth. Great episode, guys. I got some major jealousy listening to Martin talk about his time in the States. If you fancy trying a new brewery, I would recommend Baron Brewing. Sadly, looks like only one double IPA and IPA available at the moment, but you would expect him to restock soon. So thanks, Simon. Thanks for the recommendation. That's one that we'll add to the what's now becoming a bit of a growing list, isn't it? Yeah, it is just about having that variety available for us. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I, I honestly, I don't just want to buy three or four IPAs and double IPAs. I want, I want, I want to try a range of different styles. Yes, yeah, we, we were lucky enough to be able to do with bosons. Yes, yeah. Thanks to all of our listeners for your feedback on the most recent show. If you want to continue to get involved, you can use the hashtag opinions and we will continue to feature on future shows. We do also have one question this week. Questions, questions fill my head. And that's from Jordan Alwood who asks, this has probably been covered before, but have you ever asked which UK brewery has the best core range? I was thinking about this at the weekend and you can't really look past Siren. Now, it's not something that we covered before because that's not a simple yes or no poll question, is it? Uh, it'll be a nightmare poll question. Yeah, but it is an interesting one because I, I think at the moment what, what we're seeing again is a bit of a shift away from core ranges. And we're seeing more breweries focusing on new beers and not necessarily holding down the core range at the same time. And I know that's something that we're probably going to talk about in a future show. So I'm not going to go too far down that particular rabbit hole at the moment. 
But I am going to ask you guys what your thoughts are in, in terms of, is there a brewery with a core range that you think absolutely smashes it out of the park? Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just waiting to follow on from Martin. Um, it's a tricky one. I mean, um, I, I was looking at Siren's core range and, and yeah, they're, they're decent beers um, and I've drunk pretty much all of them, but not necessarily one that i would pick as my absolute favorite um they're not necessarily quite the beers that i'm looking for it's tricky because like you say a lot of breweries don't have that really kind of tight core range at the moment um and i kind of struggle to come up with an answer to be honest i think when i think of you know a brewery that i am um always very very happy to order from um, and partly it's because there's always some interesting new options, but there's also a number of beers they put out very, very regularly that I'm always very happy with. And that is elusive um, because they're I mean, it's difficult to call it a core range as such because they're not all always in stock. But a lot of the beers that they produce very, very regularly um, are all styles that I really like, um, you know, Oregon Trail, obviously, um, but also um, Overdrive, Level Up. Um, you know, they're all beers that are pretty frequently in stock and all styles that I enjoy. So that would probably be my answer. Colonel. Uh, is, is this where we have the argument that they've not really got a core range? Yep. <laughs> well, because I, I think what they do have a core range is just innovate within those styles. So, so they've, they've, got, they've got core styles that yeah. are the same ingredients up until a point. Yes, which Gem, is the hops. the hops, isn't yeah. it? So the hops will be different and or a different mix of the hops. And the ABV may be slightly different, but you, you could almost guarantee that if you ordered a mixed box, you'd get some pale, some IPAs, darks of some kind. You could even get a Saison as well. Mm. And I would say if you went to the tap room, those styles would also be available. And those are the kind of styles I'd go for. So I reckon you could you can say Colonel, even though probably technically each beer is very different. But brewers say that one brewer is never the same as the next one. They just try to achieve consistency in a different way. I think a percentage of our listeners are going to call you out on this. I'm sure they are. It won't be the first time being called out, is it? <laughs> no, no, because I, I think you've you've pushed the boundary a little bit there in in terms of a core range. But I get what you're saying. I, I, I do get, get get what you're saying. I think that their, their beers are are consistent. And having heard um, Evan on previous podcasts, essentially talk about that process of well, it's it's the same, it's the same malt, it's the same um, water, it's the same. What's the other one? Yeast. <laughs> Brilliant. We're, we're only halfway we're through halfway beer. Through first beer. Yeah. What, what are the main ingredients in, in beer, Steve? No idea. No I idea. Get two of them. After 10 years. After, after hops. That's it. I don't care. Um, but no. Um, so go on, what would your answer be then? I, I thought about this and it is very difficult to come up with uh, a, a brewery that is putting out a consistently good core range. Yeah, and also, do we mean by core range the styles we want to see or there's like a mix? Because an obvious brewery for us, based on what we've done recently, would be Adnams. Yes. But they don't really have a, like a, a stout on cask. Their stout is the keg blackshaw. No, but they have, a, they have a small pack stout. Yeah. But again, I would say that I'm looking at what, what we're going to see on tap regularly somewhere as well. Oh, no, no. I took this a small pack. Did you? In, in terms of core range. Okay, yeah. so go on. No, in, in, in terms, terms of, of you'd, you'd go onto the website and you'd order some core range, and then you'd, you'd have some specials around it. Okay, what would your... Go on then. Uh, I, I think I settled on Thornbridge. 
probably because it was a really easy answer <laughs> to, to, to go for. Um, although thinking about it and what you've just said there, you, you've got Jaipur, you, you've got Lucas, you've got Green Mountain. I'm struggling to think of anything else that's in there all the time. Core range all the time. I'm not sure whether Market Porter's always available. So, and they do rotate their various stouts. Like the Connells has come out. Yeah. Then they do like all the their beers ones. are seasonal. Yeah. With the exception of two or three of them. Yeah. So, um, be great to hear what listeners think, though. It, it would because clearly we're struggling to come up with. Yeah, yeah. Between, answer, but between us, we've we've definitely gone down different routes. Yeah. What we think. Yeah. Um, although Sean has very kindly kept it to just round the corner from Siren. Yeah. Don't <laughs> to go too far. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be interested to hear what our listeners think. Tell us, tell us what breweries you think have got the the, the best core ranges in, yeah. in in the UK. Use the hashtag opinions, and, and we'll find your answers. And yeah. thank you very much, Jordan, for for that question. It, it's it's great when people submit questions. We, we we love to be almost put on the spot to answer these things, don't we? Yes, and and sometimes we we should remember to look at the questions before the show starts. That'd be a really good plan, one day, wouldn't it? Just yeah, yeah. Especially after I told you two to look at it and I forgot <laughs> to look at it myself. <laughs> Let's get this back on track because <laughs> we've gone slightly off there. Um, just before we come on to some final tasting notes on on, on the beer and, and, and continue to talking to, to Sean about his his journey, one, one thing I, I, I do just want to mention, and there, there isn't really a, a segue or a segment in, into this. It's it's just something that we felt as I wanted to mention. In in, in the last couple of weeks, we've heard the uh, well, we've heard the sad news for number. Of, of breweries closing since we recorded the last show. I think we're up to about six or seven now that have that have announced that, that they're closing. Well, as of recording, obviously the most recent one that got made public was Kellam Island, mm. which after me, I was pretty shocked, pretty damn shocked at that. Um, that blew my mind. And I've got mm. no doubt that say uh, Beatsnicks for people who are local to Manchester or would really love their beers, they, they would have been shocked by that one as well. Yeah. I think Kellam Island, just because of that history and the tradition. I, th- I think the thing about Kellam Island for me is it's, it's 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 a beer that I've always enjoyed when I've gone up to spend time with my friend in Sheffield. Um, we've, we've always drunk Kellam Island beers, and, and in particular Power Rider. So so I've got, I, I do have quite a personal association to that beer as well. But the, the thing that really got me on it was I, I saw one comment on a tweet that, that, somebody, that somebody said, and, and, and it was this that made me stop and think. Without Pal Rider, you don't get Jaipur. And without Jaipur, you don't get Punk IPA. And without those beers, you probably don't get to where we are now, potentially as quick as we've got here. But there's one which is a bit more personal. That there is, and, and, and that's that's the news that... And, and this has been on the cards for a while, but I think he's only just recently... Yeah, uh, we, we've announced. known about it for a while. Yeah, uh, the Cheshire Brew House has um, closed down, which is a real shame because Shane Swindles, who is a friend of the show, yeah. um, has decided to call it a day. Um, he, for for one reason or another, he doesn't want to continue. Uh, it's not viable continue to continue. He's not able to continue, and yeah, he's he's finally closed the doors. And as as, as part of that closing of the doors, he had one final beer that that he had brewed, which was a Heritage ESB, which he had a very limited number of cans um, produced of, which um, he didn't sell. He he just he, he wanted to give those away, and and and, and we were lucky enough to receive. 
a, a, a can each in a, in a lovely presentation box. Yeah, very class. grateful for that. So we, we did do just want to, we want to say two things really. We want to say thank you to Shane for uh, sending us that beer and also for all of the wonderful beer memories that, that you've given us over the last few years. There have been Govinda. many times, Govinda, Gibraltar uh, Porter oh. have, have been uh, but to name two. And good luck, mate. Good luck with everything that yeah. you, you plan to do in the, in the future. And I, I assume a, a lot of that involves sitting on the side of a lake pulling fish out. I reckon there's going to be a lot more fishing in his life. Yes, I, I think so. <laughs> and I think it would be far more peaceful than, than trying to run a brewery. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. So cheers. Cheers to Shane. Yes, ab absolutely. I'm still drinking a bit of this. Anyway, so I think, you know, you said it was six years. Yeah. Since the last time that you'd done the homebrew special. So you and Mark, with who were the fridge? Do you remember? It, oh, I'm putting you on the spot there. I can remember two of them. One of them was a fella whose Twitter handle is Drac Uber. I'm not even sure he's still on Twitter. I do remember Drac Uber. He though. sent us a barley wine. He, he knew his, his, his market. <laughs> he knew his audience. We also, I think that was also the show where, oh, I can't remember the, 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 the woman's name, um, from Ireland. She, she sent us over sent some beers as well. We met a, a, a couple of festivals we went to. I, I really can't remember her name. It doesn't, it's not coming to me at the moment. She, she sent over some beers as well. And then, then there was a third. But yeah, it was, um, ironically enough, it was in the scheduling of things. It was something like the third final show we ever did. So we did, we did that one. And then we did, um, there was one more studio show in between. Then there, the then the, no, then there was the final studio show with Miles, where he read out the most amazing oh, eulogy, so to speak. <laughs> and then there was the Hot Burns and Black show. So it was very, very close to the end of the, the, the Beer O'Clock show. But yeah, up, up until that point, we had done eight of those specials. They, they had become a bit of a... Uh, a once a year, a bit of a seasonal thing that, that we used to do on the beer o'clock show. No, they were always always good fun. And, you know, we are getting to the end of this first beer. And like I said, it is a cracking start. Cracking start. So, Sean, how long would you say you have been homebrewing now? Um, do you know what? I've got a spreadsheet and I forgot to check. Um, <laughs> love that but, he's got a spreadsheet. I, mean, I, I love that. <laughs> um, I... I actually, my first experience of home brewing was when I was about 70 uh, and it was, um, you know, it was, it was the old malt extract kits, you know, the, the, the can of sticky, gloopy stuff that you, uh, you know, just sort of heat up um, to make it a bit more runny and then throw in some water, cool it down and, uh, and, and then, and then chuck some yeast in. Um, and yeah, like I said, when I was about 17 and it was awful. Um, and I did that for, I don't know, three or four years when I was at uni and I was skin and, um, and you know, and, and produced stuff that was, that ranged from awful to just about drinkable. <laughs> um, and then, then I gave that up for obvious reasons because I got a job and I could afford to buy decent beer. Um, and I got into brewing English country wines. So things like, you know, all sorts of random stuff like, um, you know, nettle wine and oak leaf wine and blackberry wine and all sorts of stuff. And I did that for a long time. I think some of that was just uh, getting a bit older and a bit more patient and actually learning about, you know, hygiene and cleanliness because, you know, people talk about how brewing is 90% cleaning. Um, and that's very important. Uh, but, you know, I did that for a few years. And then I think it was um, 20... 
2016, uh, yeah, it was 2016, my eldest son took me on a brewery tour to Adnams. And actually, it was the first brewery tour I'd ever been on, bizarrely. Um, and actually handling the malt and the hops and talking about the process and, and seeing all the, all the kit, um, it just got me thinking how you know I'd really like to have a go at all grain brewing I'd read a bit about it many years before and thought it sounded far too complicated um still does but, the Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of gave me that, that made me want it tempted me in and then so that was sort of early December and then by coincidence a friend of mine um was given a, a homebrew book for christmas that year and it was called uh, one gallon brewing um and it was from brooklyn brew shop and that was really that was a game changer because one of the things that had put me off getting into all grain brewing was the expense um you know like you know kit is expensive ingredients for a big 30 liter batch or 25 liter batch you know run to quite a bit and i just and also the idea of potentially having you know 50 or 60 pints of rubbish um, worried me. Sorry, so, Sean, did, can I ask a quick, quick, a quick but maybe obvious question to some people? When you say one gallon brewing, I, would, I presume we're being literal here. That's the, that's the volume. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, um, so Brooklyn Brew Shop obviously is American. And, um, and so their one gallon brewing was a US gallon. So it's a really small quantity of beer. Um, and that was that was how I got you know started into into home brewing again in January of 2017, um, doing a doing a one gallon batch. Um, I did you know because I like playing about with numbers and because you know a US gallon is stupidly small. I did decide to brew a UK gallon, which meant I had to you know mess around with recipes and because you know, the, the quantities I, I had weren't the right quantities for for a, an imperial gallon. But yeah, literally just producing a gallon of beer. And that meant I could do it all with stuff that I just had kicking about in the kitchen anyway, pretty much. Um, you know, a big stock pot was my mash tun and my kettle. Um, so it was really cheap and easy to get into. And it also meant like ingredients weren't expensive. And it meant I knew that if it was rubbish, I wasn't going to, or, or if it was kind of like, okay, I wasn't gonna have loads and loads of beer that I was gonna have to struggle through. Um, so that was what got me in the idea that you could actually do it really small scale. And so for a long time, I, I brewed, you know, literally a gallon, um, four and a half liters. Um, so I did that for, for a couple of years and then gradually kind of pushed it a little bit more, you know, what's, what's the biggest I can brew with the kitchen equipment that I've got. And so I got up to doing sort of around about eight liters. Um, but again, just, you know, very, very small scale very very little outlay on equipment um and and also you know eight liters 16 bottles of beer you can get through it quickly try a different recipe and that was something i really loved being able to you know brew every couple of weeks and try loads of different recipes um and so that's what i've been doing for the last you know three or four years i suppose uh, and it's only recently that i've um you know stepped up to brewing 30 liter batches um yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, what my, my background is in, in very small scale brewing. Um, and it's actually, it's a really, in many ways, it's a stupid way of brewing because it takes almost as long to produce eight litres of beer as it does 30 litres of beer. So it's an incredibly time inefficient way of doing it. Um, but it worked for me. It was ideal. Like I said, cheap, 
and you know lots and lots of experimentation. Did, did you find any challenges in scaling up from, from, from eight to 30 or, or was it quite a simple process in terms of just multiplying the numbers so to speak? Yeah, eight, eight to 30 is fairly straightforward. Um, it was, you know, having to invest in a whole load of new kit and, and spending a few hundred quid, um, you know, on an all-in-one brewing system. Um, it, you know, it does take a bit longer just because you've got more, you know, more liquid to heat up and cool down. So, it, you know, it makes it for a bit longer brew day. But in terms of you know change and and also i suppose there is a, a process to go through of getting used to the efficiency of a new kit getting used to how it works um you know working out the evaporation rate on your boil and, and all sorts of technical stuff like that but really essentially it is fairly straightforward and it only took one or two brews to you know kind of dial the numbers in and, and get my head around how it was working but going from eight liters to 30 was really pretty easy this is another reason why I can't brew because apparently it's underpinned by mathematics. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine, mine would be mine would be patience and space. Yeah, you're screwed then. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't got a clue when it comes to numbers. No, I mean, it's, but, I mean what Sean is saying there, we've we've heard brewers would be decent kit, sizable operations say they have to get used to their kit. Yeah, they don't mm. just behave. It's not like it just works bespoke. And I think you're. Probably the best way I can figure it is out your ovens at home. When somebody else cooks in your oven, they don't always quite know the timings because you go, it says 20 minutes, but you only need 18 or you need 22. Whereas people go, well, it says 20, I'm going to do 20. Mm. But, you know, all of these kind of equipment, I no, never think it's quite as exact as it can be. So what you're saying on a, on a small kit, we've definitely heard before from big breweries. Yeah, so it's consistent. Mm. That is. It, it just goes to show, though, how much of a, of a skill it actually is as, as well to, to to homebrew and and to get and to get it right as, as well because i mean we've we've both finished that best bitter mm. i absolutely enjoyed that I, th I thoroughly enjoyed that but i wouldn't say that 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 wouldn't <clears throat> that, that, that that wouldn't be wrong if it was on a on, on a bar and i paid money for that no uh, there's no way i would be like I said i, I and you've said and Jake has said previously, there are some really quality home brewers, and we and we know people who've gone on from home brewing to become very successful. Yeah, you know, the one one brewery's already been mentioned here anyway. Um, well, there's the simple things fermentations yeah. as, as as well. The it's plenty. Yeah, Phil that run that yeah. won the Thornbridge competition, didn't they? So, I that it, without a word of a lie, without blowing smoke up anyone, there's no way I could have picked that up as being a home brew, especially if I was being blind testing or anything oh, like no, that abs absolutely not that like i said the the whether that particular beer would be to everyone's liking like palette flavor wise but the actual quality of it mm. felt like it was nailed to me well, well like you said we we recently have a newfound love for south world beer mm -hmm. that absolutely would stand up next to a pint of south world beer yep so that you can take that as a compliment, Sean. You can you can put put that on your bottles, put that on your marketing. You, you, you know that's that's how good that bitter was. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's that is fantastic feedback, and uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely quote you on it. <laughs> Shall we see if you can uh, continue the, the, the streak with the, with the next beer? Oh, that's a nice little pop. That was, wasn't it? 
so this is your second beer, Sean. Uh, do you want to introduce this one? Um, yeah, I can do. I just have to say, you know, it's a shame not to have heard the Sonic Screwdriver bottle opener there. Um, but especially with it being such a momentous Time Lord day. Um, but yeah, so this is um, an American Pale Ale. Um, 5.3% um, Cascade and Simcoe hops. Um, and this was the, the first beer that I brewed in this sort of current series of, of the three that I've, that I've sent to you for this show. Uh, it's it's definitely, I mean, I'm interested to see what you think about it. Um, I will be brewing another iteration of this very soon, and there, I've definitely got some ideas on, on some tweaks that I want to make to it. Uh, but having said that, I do quite enjoy it, and uh, I have got 750 mils to get through tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting that a good day. All right, well, we yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Cascade and Simcoe, cheers. Initial thoughts, Steve? Oh, that's lovely. It's, it's, I was going to say bitter, but that'd be rubbish use of grammar. It would. It's definitely more bitter. Than the first beer, it, it. Do you think? I do. I don't. I thought that. I thought the bitter was more bitter. No, I think this is. Than, I think this more bitter than this. I think it's because the bitterness is sort of ahead of the fruitiness for me. I, I'm getting fruitiness, and, and I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of balance from from, from this yep. as well. So I'm getting initially first thing I was getting in my mouth is like real zestiness. So some put some orange, lemon, that that sort of thing coming through, and then a little bit of malt towards the, the, the back end and, and then a very, very, for me, a very balanced bitterness. See, we're getting this all the other way. I'm getting this the other way around. So I was getting like the, the bitterness and the multi bit first, and then I was getting the fruitiness and the zestiness afterwards. Same notes, so we were just getting them in different order. Yeah, but... It's coin a phrase. Just just goes to show everybody tastes things differently, yeah, doesn't it? definitely. But um, again, you know, the, 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 it looks lovely in the glass. It does, yeah. Uh, you know, lovely bit of carbonation on it again, Sean. So again, you know, two out of two on that. Beautiful colour, yeah, as, as well. Colour is lovely. It's but again, it's different colour, isn't it? So the last one did have more of the um, coppery colour, so best bitter. This one has got a lighter hue to it. Um, it's, it's it's amber. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's kind of that sort of ambery colour. Um, if you want, if you want a point of reference. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's that's not a bad reference at all in terms of what it looks like. Uh, and this is the again rather sexily titled BC O one O one. I mean, how many, how, I don't know how many beers he's planning on brewing because O one O one gives you a lot of scale. That, that would suggest they're going to be a lot of beers. Yeah, because that gets us up to wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that gets us up to nine 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 nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why are they numbered in this way? So the the reason they're numbered this way. So first of all. So I am at the moment giving some serious thought to uh, becoming a professional brewer. Um, and that's a whole, you know, quite a long story. Um, but part of the part of my process is thinking about recipe trials. Now, part of the reason that's part of the process is because obviously it's something I'll need to do but also it's something that's relatively easy to do and I'm going to be brewing anyway. Um, I've got a lot of much harder work to do in terms of business planning, and that's going to take some time. Uh, but at this stage, I'm, I'm giving it some serious thought and I want to do some recipe trials. So the BC refers to Breeds Cross, which will be the name of the brewery um, as and when it launches, if it launches. Um, and the 0101, so the first two digits are basically um, kind of the different styles of beer that I'm brewing in the order that I happen to pick on brewing them. So 
the O1, um, it was the pale ale was the first thing that I brewed. And then the second two digits are the iteration. So we've got 0201, 0101, and we'll be drinking 0301 next. So they're the first three beers that I brewed, and they're all first iterations. Uh, and then, as I say, I'll be rebrewing this beer fairly soon with a couple of tweaks, and then that will be 0102, so that I can differentiate between them. And one of the reasons for doing that is that I'm asking people for feedback. So on the on the bottles that you've got, there's a QR code that takes you through to um, a, a little Google form survey and you can give some feedback on there that I can then uh, have a look at and, and uh, take that feedback on board in terms of planning future iterations. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the reason for the somewhat bizarre names, I suppose. Where does the Briggs Cross come from, though? Is that a place or some historical reference? So, um, Breed, the Breed's Cross is the um, is the actual cross that's on the on the front of the bottles, um, and uh, you know people might might see you know pictures of it or, or what have you um, you know as the show goes out. <laughs> so it's it's a four armed cross. It originates from Ireland, um, and it's associated with Saint Bridget, Catholic Saint Bridget, and the um, the, the Catholic Saint Bridget is also very much associated with a, an Irish uh, pagan goddess um, breed or well yeah pronounced breed or Bridget and so the breed's cross is, is cross associated with breed now breed is a patron uh, as a goddess breed was associated with many things including storytelling and uh, mythology folklore folk tales storytelling that's another like long-term interest of mine and St Bridget as a Catholic saint is a patron saint of brewers so um, Breed or St Bridget is a kind of good good choice for me you know it ties up my interest in storytelling and my interest in brewing um, and the cross is her symbol. Firstly more facts yep so hang on let's just so we've had we've had history yep We've had maths, yeah, science, yeah, and now we've got folklore, yeah, as, as, as well. However, can, I, feel can like... I say it now? That's a lot of boxes we've ticked there. <laughs> Although I feel like I should have known some of that myself. I um no, because I I, I think when you get into well, the Irish Catholicism bit, I probably should probably have should have done. But I think when you get into gods and goddesses and deities of brewing, the the, the one that people normally go for is Ninkazi, isn't it? As 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 being the, the one that's foremost known for for that. I, I think when you get into kind of some of the Irish folklore, that's a little bit more niche, so to speak. I'm seeing my parents before this comes out. I might have to test my mum. My mum was quite good on saints. And okay. Stuff, so I might have to test. And there's definitely Bridget, Bridget's in my family. Tell, trust you. <laughs> to, to be fair to yourself, Martin, and to your mum, in case she doesn't get the answer, there's an awful lot of Catholic saints. <laughs> you, oh, well, you yeah, almost all. as many cousins I've, as I've got. And so, so, so that, that, that folklore and, and, and that, that backstory, is, is, is that going, if, if you go down the route of becoming a commercial brewery, is, is that going to, kind of form a bit of a backbone in terms of what the brewery will be about and obviously we've already got the branding but in terms of names of beers and maybe little stories that sit behind them the, the i've got a I've, I've got a number of spreadsheets because like you steve i love a spreadsheet um yeah one of my spreadsheets is is beer names and uh 
And so, yeah, I've got I've got a few um, possible names already kind of uh, tucked away, and they all relate to various um, yeah folk tales, myths, legends, um, and yeah, and and kind of so I you know I listen to I listen to to um, mythology and folklore podcasts as well as beer podcasts so I'm listening to these podcasts and and reading stories and, and thinking oh yeah that, that that would work as a beer name potentially and like okay so how, what, what is that story what kind of beer would that go with or sometimes I get a yeah get a story and think what what kind of beer could I match to that story so yeah well you know as and when I get beyond a recipe trial stage it will be the names of beers are going to be linked into these stories and I'm hoping to um yeah to do whether it be a podcast whether it be a YouTube channel but to actually do retellings of the stories um to go with the beers as well and yeah QR codes can can link into that as well so I'd like to you know there'll be a little record on, on a bottle label to what the what the story reference is but but also linking into to something a bit more for anyone that's particularly interested in it but yeah the uh, the storytelling element is going to be quite key to the brand it's it's quite a step though to go from brewing this sort of size batch to to, yeah. to brewing commercially isn't it and you, you must be having to take a lot into consideration as to, to to whether or not you're you're ready for that step or you want to take that step or that now is the right time especially especially with as we said earlier you know you've got a, a, things are getting tough in the brewing industry right now in terms of rising costs that's true we just spoke about breweries closing yeah and you're talking about opening one sean <laughs> why why would why why choose now to do that i i must be mad mustn't i um yeah i mean in terms of you know you, you asked earlier about stepping up to eight from eight liters to 30 and, and no that wasn't a big deal stepping up from 30 liters to you know five barrels that is a big step up and that is okay that is not a case of just you know multiplying by x in order to work out your new recipe because things do really change on that kind of scale so there is that um in terms of the um you know the climate and whether it's the right time i guess it's you know some of it is the right time for me personally to give it a go um there's been a number of really quite massive personal changes in my life um over the last couple of years um which uh, you know close, close friends will know about um i don't need to go into um but part of that is Part of that has led me to reevaluating what I want to do with my life. And I have come to the stage of deciding that I no longer want to be a full time primary school teacher. So then there's a question of what do I want to do instead? And um, I was I was talking to one of my kids, actually, sort of around about Christmas time um, or just before Christmas. And he said, as a number of people have said to me over the years, oh, you know, you should you should you should become a brewer you should set up a brewery you know you brew good beer go for it um and quick, sorry my response question, was quick question how does your primary school pupil know you brew good beer sean <laughs> this, was I mean... my, this was my son <laughs> oh. my son it's 21 uh hold on it's 22 20, i'll be 22 this year um so yeah my son not my primary school pupil he knows about my beer quality um 
but yeah, so I was I was thinking about that, but my stock response was, you know, we need capital to start a brewery. Um, and then it occurred to me that as one of these personal changes that I've mentioned is that for various reasons, I've had to, I had to sell my house last year. Um, and so I have a chunk of money sitting in a bank. And so I realized I actually do have capital and I don't necessarily need to use that to buy a new house. And that's that's really quite freeing. I don't think I ever would have sold the house in order to release capital to invest in a business. But being in a position of already having sold the house and the money is just numbers in a bank instead of bricks and mortar made me feel that actually maybe it was possible. And so that's the, the start of looking into it as a possibility, talking to a number of people in the industry, getting some pointers, um, you know, starting to think about the questions I need to answer for myself about whether it's the right idea. Um, and it could well be that it's a very, very good way of blowing my kids' inheritance. <laughs> let's, let's hope they're not listening to this. Oh, I, I reckon they. I reckon they might be listening to this. Um, let's assume. Let's assume that 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 is a worst case scenario. So, have you reached out to anyone who's made that transition from home brewing to commercial brewing to see if there's anything that you should already know? I have spoken to a few, you know a couple of people that have made that transition, and and I don't want to I don't want to sort of name drop or anything like that. But um, yeah, I have had pointers from people that have made that transition from home brewer to commercial brewer. Um, and I've done, I've done a lot of reading around as well, lots of interviews, um, listened to lots of podcasts about people talking about that journey as well. Um, and you know, as far as blowing the kids' inheritance, actually the kids have been very good and said, look, well, if that's what happens, so be it. Actually, it's one of those things that you'll, you'll regret if you don't give it a go. Um, and, and hopefully it won't be blowing their inheritance. Hopefully they'll have something to to inherit. They'll they'll have a, a thriving brewery to inherit in, in sort of 20 years or so. Um, but yeah, so I definitely have taken pointers from people that have been on that journey already. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about um, in, in terms of my business planning and, and thinking about the route I take is to look into, I'm starting to look into contract brewing. And there are a number of breweries that, that contract brew and have done for quite a while so that gives me a way of I suppose testing a market and looking to see if I can a produce something of quality obviously contract brewing it depends to a degree on the people that are doing the brewing for you um, the, the company you're working with um, but then can I sell the beer as well um, and it will cost me obviously significantly less to put a few contract brews out than to actually buy a five barrel brew kit so that could be a route that I go down initially. Do you um, have, sorry, Sean, are you thinking about small pack or taps on bars or combo? I'm, I'm thinking about both. Um, you know, in terms of the beers that I'm like working on in terms of recipe trials, I'm thinking about cask and keg um, and also small pack. Um, because I, I'm, I'm going to be moving up to Rochdale in the summer. Um, so I'm going to be based up in Rochdale. Uh, it's another big change for me. So I'm thinking about the the sorts of um, pubs and bars in the area around where I'm going to be living. Um, and there's a you know there's a great cask tradition in in that part of the world. Um, so these beers will be served through Sparklers, Martin. Um, well, Steve, Steve, Steve uh, can barely talk here. He's going yes. 
<laughs> and um, but yeah, also there, there are those you know more sort of craft oriented um, outlets as well. And that that reflects the kind of beer that I like to drink as well. I, I drink a range of beers, so I want to produce the sort of range of beers that I enjoy drinking. And so it's it's different beer styles for different markets for for different drinkers, served in different formats depending on what's going to suit particular beers the best. Um, but definitely looking at um, yeah selling selling through bars um, and and also small pack and you know potentially tap room as well. All I'm going to say is that I, I don't think in, in like, like you say, you're, you're moving up north and you, you've got a potential market that you're going to aim for in terms of pubs. All I'm going to say is, is it's, it's that best bitter is, is on cask through a sparkler. I, I would walk many miles to, to drink a pint of that in, in, in that <laughs> format. I, I, I really would. And, and I think more than just me, I, I think that would cater for what that market expects definitely. in a beer. I, I, I would agree. They, the first beer definitely felt, you could picture that as a North, I want to, I'm going to say a Northern pint. Yeah. Um, is, is that in a dimpled jug with a handle? Uh, I think choice of a vessel you're drinking out of, that is definitely down to the person running the pub. Um, so I'm not going <laughs> to offer that opinion right now because that's going to spin right off. Um, I mean, the second one we're drinking, the American Pale Ale, I think you could, I could picture that on both. Yes, to yeah. be honest. I think there is definitely a traditional, like a, almost an English quality to this, mm. uh, America, uh, this American pale ale that would translate really well to a cask version. Equally, I think a bit cooler out of a keg tap. I could definitely see some more of those fruitier notes coming through as well. So I think this one could straddle both. First one's definitely a sparkled pint. And, and what sort mm. of day would you like that on? I reckon on a really warm day, that'd be absolutely delicious. And I've already said I'd like to see it on car. So I've, I've definitely ticked all the boxes. I think we're halfway through the show and we've done them all, haven't we? <laughs> so far. So anyone, anyone playing bingo tonight? <laughs> we're expecting a call around about now. Uh, House. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, all, all joking aside, I, I, I completely agree with what Martin's saying, Sean, that this, this, this American parallel. You, you could see that in, in, in the two formats. And equally, you could also see it in a small pack format as, yes. as, as well. You could, you could see that in a bottle. It's something you'd reach for in your, in, in your fridge and you'd quite happily sit and, and, and quaff, you know, 5, 5.3%. It's, it's perfectly sessionable. I, I, yeah, there's, I mean, again, they, they're two very different beers, though. They are, and I'm, I'm still not getting a lot of bitterness from this. See, I'm still getting, I'm still getting that almost before I'm getting the fruity zestiness. So it's really strange. But it's still, yeah. it's still all that. I, I would maintain it. You still get all the notes you want, though, or that all definitely all the notes we want. We're just getting them in different orders. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like I'm sitting here not enjoying it. Yeah, I've got very little left <laughs> in my glass. <laughs> it's going to be a problem for the next section of the show, then, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Before I drain my glass, then we should probably move on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was, should businesses promote on all social media channels or just ones that work for them? So we had 204 votes for this. 26.5% uh, of people saying all channels. 73.5% of people saying only the ones that work. And I've got to say... I was really surprised at the outcome of, of this poll. I was expecting it to be the other way round. 
Yeah, I was definitely expecting it to be closer. And I think it'd be quite interesting to get a view of someone who is thinking about starting up a new business as well. But let's 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 hear what the listeners had to say, first of all. From, oh, I don't know. I think this guy did homebrewing once as well. <laughs> I think it's possible, yeah. Uh, Andy Parker, why waste resources servicing channels that don't work for you? You know what? And I'm just going to jump in straight away there because you know I said I thought it was going to be the other way around. Yeah. I was in the, well, you should be doing all channels until Andy made that comment. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good point. Well, we can come back okay. to that. Yeah. Um, so Kerry Jones, as much as I'd love to see them do work over all of them, mainly as I'm only on Twitter, why should they expend risk, money on something that doesn't work? From James at Gammon Baron, selfishly, I prefer all channels, but appreciate that most breweries won't have a social media department. It does surprise me, however, when breweries don't use Twitter at all. From Nick Law, ones that work because marketing is about determining your target audience and communicating them to a language they understand. That's why you don't see many breweries on TikTok, because the demographic on that platform is largely younger people. And then from Bracknell Owl and Cider Festival, I must admit we've had to try a bunch of different channels this year. Previously, you could throw a few quid on Facebook ads and the job was done. They seem keen to make it harder and more expensive to reach your core audience now, though. I've been to the Bracknell Owl and Cider Festival two or three times, and I didn't realise that they used the, the, the way they were doing the channels. It's only because I knew somebody lived in Brett at the time. Sarah Pantry. It's worth trying them all to find out what does work for you. But once you know that, there is no point keeping spending time and money on platforms that don't work. Put all your time and effort into the one that gives you a, a good return. From Michael at Bring On The Beer. All. It's not difficult. A lot of content is cross-compatible. And above all, why would you possibly limit your audience reach appeal? Craig Henderson all channels i mainly use twitter and get frustrated if businesses aren't on it or just post a link to content on facebook and instagram there are apps that automatically replicate your messages across different platforms so it shouldn't be hard for businesses to use all from steve lamond at beers i've known i said ones that work but do get disappointed when i'm posting on twitter or instagram and realize that the business isn't on there to tag and then finally from john at Witchwood john meh for me but if you're going to use social media keep your fucking opening times up to date that's all as you were and, and uh, i was gonna say that last one i know that's something that you've got a real bugbear about. i don't understand how you can get that fucking wrong seriously yeah you've, you've got you've got a social media account which gives you options to have a pinned post normally at the top of your page it gives you options to have not only a profile picture and a header those are all potentials and for, for you to put basics, basics your, your opening basics, times opening times basics thank yeah. you john i would have a little breather okay <laughs> sean what's what's your view especially i mean think about two two ways of looking at it one as a as a punter now but as someone who's who's thinking about going into business where, where do you sit on this one yeah well first of all i want to say i did enjoy that mini rant there um, <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's interesting. What do you mean by all channels? And there, there are essentially three channels that got mentioned, and that's uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, Nick Law mentioned TikTok. Clearly, there are a crazy number of different channels that can be used, and they're growing all the time. 
Um, and my comment on this was that you, you just can't do all channels. I learned about a brand new channel just last weekend talking to two of my kids. And um, so my youngest was telling us about this new social media platform and my middle son, who was, uh, what, three years older, had never heard of it. Um, and that's just how quickly <laughs> social media changes, you know. So, but thinking about like, you know, perhaps we'll call them the big three. Um, I do agree with the, the point that um, now, who was it? Somebody mentioned about, you know, um, uh, things that you can do in order to automate like cross posting, um, you know, and, and there is there's IFTT. Um, so I, you know, I, I do use that so that I, if I post, on Instagram, it posts to Twitter as well. And it isn't posting a link to the Instagram post. As a consumer, that really, really annoys me. Couldn't agree more. Um, Couldn't agree more. And there absolutely is no need for it because you know there there is a very simple straight well when I say very simple straightforward, it did take me about 10 or 15 minutes to work it out. Right, but that's a, that's a one-time investment, isn't it? That's, that's pretty simple and straightforward, really, isn't it? And yeah, yeah I'll put it on Instagram, it cross-posts to Twitter, and, and it comes into Twitter as a native post. It, it's not asking you to click on the link to Instagram. So there's no reason at all not to do that. So there are ways to make it relatively easy to post on different platforms. Um, you know, having said that, yes, it makes sense to concentrate your efforts where it's going to get a return. But if it's no great effort to post on, on more than one platform, then it makes sense to do that because a lot of people, for a long time, I used Twitter and never went near Instagram. Now, I use both now and actually get a little irritated about seeing the same content on both platforms. But I know there's a lot of people that only use one platform or the other. So you do need to put things out on multiple channels. Um, the other thing that didn't come up in any of the comments that you read out, and I don't think it came up in, in any of the comments that I read either on, on Twitter, um, is about um, companies not, not having consistent um, identities across different social media platforms. And that's something that does irritate me where you've tagged somebody, you've tagged a, a company in a post, and then you realize it's gone over to, to another platform and the tag doesn't work because they don't have the same handle on that other platform. Um, and that's just something that to me seems really um, a really kind of rookie error. Uh, and it surprises me that people still make it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've managed to, to keep the same handle across multiple platforms for myself. We probably should have run the poll across all of them. Well, well, well yeah. And that's, can you? Can you run a poll on, on Instagram? You Facebook, can, you can. You can, do a, you can do a poll on um, your Instagram stories or, or whatever that live yeah. thing is that's on the top uh you can do polls on facebook that but they make it very difficult if you're a page which we are because they mm. want us to pay for the privilege of hosting a poll which is why i get their five pound boost as, as opposed up. to if you're a group you could run a poll but if you're mm. a page you can't because they probably think of the page as a business exactly right e okay e exactly anyways your your initial thoughts and well, well there's there's a couple of things that, that, that sean said there, there for me that, that are really interesting actually so, so the first one is it's, it's about the cross posting and that the fact that there are tools out there that make it very easy so you do one post and it can hit all three platforms the problem with that is, and, and this, this is something that stuck with me because we've done something very similar to this as a poll before. I can't remember the exact word. No, there was something it was similar. very similar. Yeah. And it was um, Daisy 
Daisy Turnell, mm-hmm. who, who who came back and said, it, it's all very well and good, something along the lines of, it's all very well and good cross-posting to three platforms, but your messages have to be different for the audience that uses those platforms. You can't just post the same thing and so expect no to point, get the same reaction. no point posting a thing on Twitter, but you wanted to translate to TikTok. Very different platforms. Yeah, yeah. So in even terms, Insta is different. Well, well in, so, so in terms of, 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 what, of what we use, you know yes we're most active on twitter because that's where our community lives but when we when it's when it comes to promoting the show that there's, there's a post that goes out on, on on twitter that's that's worded in a certain way to make sure that we're tagging in the relevant people who are featured on that show and then there's a number of lead-up posts to that as, as, as well then there's a very different post that goes out on instagram that's very short and sharp and it's all about diverting people back to the link in our profile to actually get them to listen to the show and more hashtags and and all the hashtags hashtag hashtag the shit out of everything that's my favorite hashtag i use and and then there's the one on facebook which is a little bit more wordy because you've, you've got more words to play with yeah. you do a bit more of an explanation it's more of a post on facebook so when i'm promoting the podcast i'm, I'm using three very different me- mechanisms there so rather because- than trying to use one app to do all three of them yeah you're thinking about what is the social media channel and what are the, who are the people reading that one yeah because and, and part of my thinking on that one as well was because because as, as sean said i used to use um if this then that which is ifttt i think it is shortened to um the if if i'm using that to post something to post essentially exactly the same message that goes on instagram and twitter People from Twitter aren't going to click on that to go to Instagram to read it. So kind of begged the question to me, what was the point? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's slightly different. Because it's a different audience. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point. So I can see definitely the bit about the comment Sean's made. And I think it was Craig about um, the apps automatically replicate your messages. But equally, I remember that quote from Daisy saying, well, it's not just about that. That's just you've got to find your way to engage with that's your an, audience. That's that's um, an ease for you as the person yeah. putting out the post. But are you achieving anything by doing it? Yeah. And and the other point I want to bring up is is, is the last point that Sean made about um, making sure you've got the same handle on 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 all of the channels. Sometimes that's not possible because somebody else has already got the handle, and therefore you have to use something different. Would you change it? If you could then find a handle which you could do across all three, would you change it? I wouldn't now. No. T- ten years into what I'm doing, no. <clears throat> fortunate, fortunate enough, we're, we're fortunate enough to have Beer O'Clock Show as a handle on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So we're the same on, on all three channels. But that's because there was no one else called the Beer O'Clock Show. But they're, they're, I know there are breweries that can't have the same handle because somebody else is using that handle and back in the early days of social media i know there was a whole thing of people just got handles oh yeah so that they could sell them on same as the web pages wasn't it yeah because boots never had their own and i'm still not sure boots have at boots on twitter it's something like at we are health because somebody else had already got the at boots where handle i will only give up if they're paid for it yes yeah. yeah i mean it's an interesting question i mean obviously twitter is my main socials facebook i still maintain generally for people that i actually know personally however i know them 
Um, and Insta, I do look at, but it's definitely the one I go to the least. Same, same here. And we've, we've only, as as the podcast, we've only just recently gone back onto Insta. Well, I say recently. Yeah, we did take a bit, before of a, we had a bit of a lull, didn't we? Because, yeah, because we just weren't getting any engagement. No. And it was just, um, to be honest, it was just a waste waste of my time. Although every now and again, someone puts a message to us on there. It's like, yeah. It's like, well, that's about three months we were, old. We were very clear as well that when, when we left Insta that if they wanted to get in touch with us, they sh- should find us elsewhere. But it's, I, I think it's an interesting one. And, and, and Sean, I, I suppose in terms of so, so moving forward, if, if you do go down the route of the, the, the brewery, I'm, I'm assuming you've already got the, the, the tags for the brewery on, on, on all, all of the sites that you need it. Are, are you just going to look to cross post or are you going to look to try and understand your audience a little bit and, and, and try and hit them with slightly different posts? I, I think, um, yes, I have, I have got some <clears throat> handles on, on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, so, so, so you can have those. Um, I think at the moment I'm, I'm just starting to use those, those accounts, um, because it's very early days for me. And at the moment, what I'm tending to do is cross posting, um, <clears throat> because that, well, so cross posting from Instagram to Twitter, to be honest, I haven't used the Facebook account much at all, um, because automatically cross-posting to the Facebook page is much more tricky. Um, so it's a it's a kind of a time thing. And also because I, and possibly this is a bit chicken and egg, but I don't, I have even less engagement on Facebook than I do anywhere else. Um, clearly both accounts are quite new and I've got oh, very yeah, mate, it's, it's not you, we get zero engagement on, on, on Facebook, but we have to be on Facebook because mm. we know there are people that will follow what we're doing and they'll literally just like and literally we we post on facebook once a fortnight that's that's all yeah. and despite facebook constantly telling me on a daily basis you need to post more to engage your audience yeah i know but our audience yeah. isn't here but not just that i, I just find facebook a very clunky way of finding out information about somewhere so when yeah you no know, but when you do have that as it comes up as facebook has been the link say from google maps or something i do like go <sighs> yeah same same here i hate that because oh. then it takes you somewhere then you have to do something else and then you maybe have to go to posts it doesn't take you straight to the information you actually want to know yeah. which a lot of the time if it's about a business it will come back to john's point well where are you and when are you open and and especially if you are in another app at the time and you click the link to facebook and then it does that whole thing of we do not recognize this device please log in and you're like yeah. no yeah i I, I, I will stop then yeah i I do i'm like no i'm not interested i don't understand why it's a bare minimum you wouldn't have your details through google yeah if you've actually got a venue just with those accurate details but the link to facebook's annoying yeah no definitely i think going forward the um I, i take the point about tailoring the post to the audience um and i think and that's where it becomes a, a question of you know as andy said why waste resources service and channels that don't work for you cross posting is very very easy um if if doing tailored posts on different platforms is achieving a better result than cross posting then it makes sense to do it if it's not then it doesn't make sense to do it now and i think it was um you know sarah made the point it's worth trying them all to find out what works and i think that's something that i'll need to look at and experiment with different ways of using the social media and start to get a feel for what's working and what isn't working um and 
and and then sort of take that forward and you know it's a learning experience and working out what does work for me and therefore what i persevere with going you know in future mm. well, there's definitely a science to it because i mean there's a few people i have followed on instagram in the past and it might literally be a can in a hand and it's like a couple of thousand likes and i'm thinking for what i, I don't understand and then uh, what was in domo at tesco Oh, yeah. His, his account blew up, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I mm. sometimes didn't know what people were talking about because I wasn't looking at Instagram every day. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one because, like you say, you know, our, Instagram for us, in, in the early days, it was great because we, we used to get a lot of likes on posts. And, and then, you know, it's, it's well known that Instagram changed their algorithm and trying to beat the Instagram algorithm is akin to, I don't know, Neo trying to break out of the matrix or, 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 or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's that, it's that difficult, but there are, you, you know, there are peers of ours. So there are, that there are beer podcasts that are purely focused on Instagram that will get hundreds of likes on a post of a mm. can of beer. And I'm like, well, I can post a picture of a can of beer. Why aren't I getting hundreds of likes? And it's, it's mm. because they've understood They've, they've taken the time to engage and understand when their audience are online and to make sure that audience sees their posts. And I just, the, the, the thing for me with Instagram, and, and there were so many comments on this poll that I really wanted to get into a discussion with, because I, this is a, uh, social media is a bit of a, a passion of mine. I do, I do enjoy social media. I, I enjoy trying to understand it. And it's One, not, but it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and, and the thing that I, I can't distinguish between is that on, on, on Twitter, we have been able to build a, what I consider a very strong community around the podcast. We get people engage with us, generally on the positive. We, we get the odd neg negative comment, but we always manage to end up having a constructive discussion. On, on, on points I've always been able to have discussions on Twitter I've never once been able to have a discussion on Instagram I've never mm. been able to get into that in the comments on a picture maybe because I find it too difficult to find. maybe it's just the way my brain works no, maybe, I, maybe the, the the feed on Twitter is easy it's like here's your yeah. comment here's your replies oh I've got my whole conversation there I'm gonna... well, your screen isn't blocked out by 20 hashtags plus. Yeah, true. So I was just having a little scroll through and I just found someone had posted, it's a very nice picture, 352 likes, but it was just a picture of a beer in a glass. Didn't even, you couldn't tell from the picture what the beer was. It was just a beer in a glass with a nice night, nightscape background. So yeah, I, I'm definitely, for me, Twitter is the simplest. Yeah, but all of them, all of them run on an algorithm, right? So Instagram in particular, so, you know, we've not got a lot of followers on Instagram. I think we've got about two and a half thousand followers on, on, on Instagram. On average, we'll get between 10 and 20 likes for any post. Which that is a on really Instagram. small percentage. Yeah, but if, if you follow us for our content, why wouldn't you just like it as you were scrolling past it? Because you're not seeing it. Because Instagram aren't putting it in your feed because we haven't hit a certain engagement level for it to be in your feed. And, and even Twitter now, that, that, that something's happening with the Twitter algorithm as well, because I, and I mentioned this recently, that I will, I can go back through about 20 or 30 of my tweets from the last hour, and then the next tweet will be six hours ago. So Twitter are taking six hours worth of content 
out of my timeline that I can't see. So I'm missing engaging with people because I'm not seeing it. Okay. Well, I mean, I haven't picked up on that, but I've got no doubt the same. I think, I think that I've, I've seen the, you know, you scroll down a certain way and then it'll say, show more tweets. And that's where they've truncated it. And, and you can see them, but you've got to look for them. But the other thing I think, like with, with Instagram, my perception of Instagram is that for whatever reason, I don't really understand it. It just doesn't generate that same level of discussion and, and, no, and engagement. No. And it's, it's clunky for that kind of thing. Even if you find a post that's got a load of comments underneath it, every single comment is just referring back to the original post there's never a discussion or there never seems to me to be a discussion that goes from one person to another in the yeah. comments under a post. And I don't, I don't really know why that is. Um, I don't know if it's something about the platform or if it's something about the people that use the platform. There's something about Twitter that's very democratic where people feel that they can just join in the conversation. Um, and that, that doesn't seem to happen on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe, I mean, potentially, you know, the three of us are dissimilar in age, so perhaps there's an element of that for us as well. But I, I do agree. I, I, I look at it, sometimes I read the comments, and it's it's never comment five is referring to comment two, three, or four. It's back to the original post. And often it's an affirmation of the first post rather than mm. getting into a discussion debate. And don't get me wrong, sometimes discussion and debate on Twitter is a, is a loose, loose term up. I'm using, I think, yeah. is the term that came up a number of times. But with this poll, uh, which is fair enough because it can be, yeah. there's no point denying it. Um, and, and we've seen ourselves on the polls, we've seen ourselves when people engage with us, get engaged with us personally or via the show. But generally, I think through the community we've built, that doesn't happen. But I do like it when you and that back and forth feels very quickly to go and do it. That's one thing I do find about Twitter is it does feel like you can have that conversational interaction mm. whereas mm. With, the, with, with the other two the, the other two main ones with reference facebook and instagram it never feels conversational i i, mm. I completely i completely agree I th and i think the the, the the thing with instagram is it's it, it's, it's it's visual it's all about the visuals isn't it so there's an element of vanity so we need, we need, we need in, more in, pictures in, of snm then in, is in that there. what we're saying I, I think if we started tagging things snm we might maybe attract the wrong crowd <laughs> or, or not the wrong crowd but not the crowd that we're looking for to to, to engage with a podcast. i don't know who'd be surprised us or them <laughs> who knows <laughs> um but but yeah i mean, this this one for me has been um fascinating and i i could literally do an entire show talking oh, I, about social media could, and, and i'm not going to name we've talked about good social media accounts and but there are also some you go oh, you're so good at this or you're so good at that why have you got your, this bit on your socials so poor these days yeah that's my starting point is often the socials i said uh it might be the the location so it might be google maps but then give me something else i can go to apart from facebook it yes, it takes yeah. too much work for me to find out anything. And honestly, when when I'm scheduling all of the promotional stuff around each show, I'm, I'm quite happy doing the stuff on Hootsuite that's that, that's planning the, the the posts for Twitter because Hootsuite is quite easy to use in terms of it. It integrates very nicely into Twitter. You, you start tagging in, and it knows who you've tagged before, so it will give you those options. When I've finished Hootsuite. 
there's always a big sign before <laughs> I move over to start doing Facebook, especially since they've become meta and their new business suite is that again they've made they've made a thing that was very easy to use harder to use and they want you to pay to use it and i'm like look look all you're doing is pushing me further away from using your platform yeah but for maybe other people it'd be almost they think damn i'm gonna have to get someone in now to do this for me yeah, but not all breweries can afford it. Sean's talking about starting a brewery. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the last thing on Sean's mind is when he's yeah. going to offer me the social media manager position. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a few not years out. Can you not <laughs> tout for a job and I'll show you, please, Steve? So, sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. But no, no, seriously, Sean, I'm sure that's the last thing on your mind at the moment. What, what you're probably worrying about is, can I do this thing? Can I find a building? Can I sell my beer? And are people going to drink it? Absolutely. Those are clearly the things I've, you know, that, that I'll be needing to think about first and, and and working out, you know, how to manage the social media. Clearly, it's a massively important thing of, of doing business in this day and age. But it's, you know, it, it is to a degree an icing on the cake thing. You know, you've actually got to have a product in order to sell, first of all. Um, and that's going to take a lot. I think for some people, they will start off with building the promo before the product. I think they will. I think some people will build the brand I, on I, socials. I agree yeah. with your approach completely, Sean. So, you know, doing your 0101, 0201, 0301, you want to build it from the ground up. Know that mm. A, you like it, and that other people like it, and it's commercially viable. Bet you quite a substantial sum of money other people have done it the other way around. Build up the hype, build up the excitement. And who knows what might be delivered? Uh, yeah, and you know there there are I I could name businesses, breweries perhaps that I think have done that, and I won't. Uh, but I do think you know there are some that have done that. But yeah, build up the hype, build up the socials first, and and worry about the product the product later. And in some cases, the product has lived up to to the hype, and in some cases, it hasn't. I think hopefully where the product doesn't match the height, that that comes home to roost, you'd like to think, wouldn't you? Um, but, um, you know, I mean, it has, I have to say, you know, as I said, I've done research, you know, talk to people, listen, read interviews, listen to podcasts, and a number of people that have gone on the journey that I'm going on have talked about the need to develop some awareness um, and, yeah, and and like develop demand for your product before the product actually hits the market. Um, that's that's definitely a, a factor in 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 the modern world. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's a balance because you, you you do need to do both. But I I think you know I don't think I'll be alone in thinking that sometimes there's definitely been the hype train before. Oh, absolutely! Before yeah. the product, or even uh, as we're what we're talking about, the brewery is launched the, the, as well. The product has got to meet, match the hype. Yes, ultimately, and you've built yourself up if you on that way but i think it has been a fascinating discussion so i know the votes were low but the comments were really good and yeah on, honestly folks i i could talk about this for days in which case uh dm steve directly i, I, um, I really could by, and uh use his tiktok account <laughs> no no don't, the TikTok account. Don't, don't use the tiktok account we, we have a tiktok account. there's one post on there and, <laughs> and, and, and that's that's about 
us showing off Red Dancing. You, you know, <laughs> if, if that's not a vanity project, then, <laughs> then, 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 then that is. But as, as you say, there were loads, loads of fantastic comments on, on, on this poll. And yeah, uh, I'd love to keep this discussion going. Use the hashtag opinions and we will continue to find you. We have both finished the American Palo a long time ago. <laughs> me, me, many, you, many, many. You finished be, it before, before both of you. Us. Although, I mean, Sean's got a 750. Yes, so we've been allowing Sean time to, 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 to catch, catch up. up. Yeah. Um, for me, drinkable, really balanced, and loads of flavour. Yeah. Uh, again, like I said, we, I think we, got, we did taste it slightly different order. But, and like I said, I think it would straddle both dispense methods quite nicely. I'm going to put it out there, but I actually prefer, I do prefer the best bitter at the moment. I'm still team best bitter. As, yeah, as well. was it a best bitter? It was a best bitter. Best one. bitter. Yeah, best yeah. bitter. Yeah. I'm going to say best bitter, but we're not talking by much here. No, but I'm very excited for the last beer that we're going to try. Oh, satisfying little pop again there, it's, isn't it? Justin, so amazing to not have Ooh. that a horrible screwdriver noise in the background. What, what um, do you mean, horrible <laughs> screwdriver? That, that sonic screwdriver is going to make a comeback, it isn't it's going to continue to get muted out? Uh, Sean, once again, tell us what we're drinking this time. So, this is an interesting one, actually. Um, as a home brewer, um, I have for a number of years, I've had what I call my bubble and squeak series. Um, and the bubble and squeak series was when I had bits and pieces of ingredients that were left over from previous brews that I ended up like, well, how, what can I do with those? How can I put those together? So bubble and squeak as in the like leftovers of the Sunday roast gets fried up. You've got your bubble and squeak. Um, and um, so this beer started off as a bubble and squeak beer. And it was it was various bits and pieces of malt and hops that I had kicking around and thinking about what I could do with it. Um, and actually, I I quite liked it. So I thought, well, this could be something that's worth putting out there. See what people think about it. It's an American stout. It's not a particularly popular beer style. It's probably never going to be a core beer, but you know, it might be something that gets brewed seasonally perhaps or, or from time to time i have questions but i want to try the beer first i was going to so. say i thought you were going to dive in with the question before i had a chance like a mouthful no, for a minute no, no let's try the beer and then i'll have the questions cheers, cheers. oh lovely aroma and, and for anyone that's not realized this week uh because of the the, the bickering and joviality <laughs> that's going on martin and i are actually sat next to each other yes. in in the same room for a change which is nice it is nice as, as well to enjoy and, uh, i think the mate. last time was uh, when we had gabe on wasn't it yes there is definitely a fruity aroma to this um i think there's a bit of try dry bitter chocolate going on as well um again uh, the carbonation the the tight head at the top hint of lacing I'm very pleased with that as well. So again, conditioning wise, I think we've got hit three out of three here. I'm, I think that's really nice. The only problem, the only thing I've got is I can't tell if it's dark enough to be a stout because we're now no longer in natural light. Uh, okay, we'll come back to that, but we're really off kilter tonight because I'm getting no fruity notes. Really? Off, off I was getting that as soon as I opened the bottle. Uh, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting vanilla, chocolate. I'm getting the slightest hint of coffee. It's you get no fruit at all. No. See, I'm getting no vanilla. Sean, have you sent us? <laughs> yeah, they're different beers. 
For, for people that think that sometimes we're too similar in our thoughts of things. Tonight we've been wet, apart from the best bitter. The, the best bitter we were we were on the same page. The, the, the other two beers we've been on very different pages. That's in terms really strange of, though. The tasting notes that we're getting. This is really strange. So um, I'm what, loving it though. Yeah. I, I will I will say again um, the one thing that's come through all three of your beers this this evening, Sean, has been that the balance that you've achieved in them. No one flavour or characteristic dominates. They they all have their part to play. Yeah. All building towards what in each instance has been an absolutely fantastic finish. Oh, I mean, the, 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 and again, I think we've actually spoken about that quite a lot recently as well, about the balance. Um, and sometimes I, I, I felt we went through a period where people thought it was a bit of a dirty word or dirty phrase, but, you know, balanced beer. But do you know what? That's what makes you come back for the second and, and the third. third. Yeah. It is that balance that makes it come back to you. Um, that going, and also we almost stop thinking about it and just go, and you, you just drink I'm it. I'm just really enjoying yeah. this. Yeah. And that has been uh, consistent across the three. Um, what were you trying to, what were you trying to get out of this? So you called it American stout. What it's, I mean, obviously American brown. The American gets attached to a lot of things. We have a, a connotation. What were you trying to aim for with this? Sure. Question. I think. Oh, sorry. The... <laughs> <laughs> See, we shouldn't record in the same room. Yeah, I. Um, the American brown is interesting, and it's interesting that you know Martin, like you know, asking, is it dark enough to be a stout? And in the light as it is now, that that is maybe difficult. That is one of the feedback points I've had on this beer questioning if it is dark enough to be a stout um and so yeah thinking about um tweaking recipe somewhat and and actually going all out american brown um american browns do, do seem to be having a bit of resurgence i've seen a few of them around recently so maybe andrew is finally getting his wish um but what was i looking for so i was looking for something that did have that coffee and chocolate kind of flavor that you expect from a stout anyway but also looking for that that more prominent hot profile um that you know i mean i in fact i was listening to to the most recent rhythm of brews earlier this evening and they they were talking about you know american beer styles and it's kind of like take an english beer style and just throw more hops at it um, and specifically throw more american hops at it um, and that that does you know it is a it's a fairly straight up well in my mind it was a fairly straight up kind of stout malt bill um but then throwing uh, magnum and simcoe at it um which are, are not hops that you would normally expect to see in, in like an irish stout for example or something like that it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you're talking about the, the, the colour of it and, and why you were doing that. We were holding out to various <laughs> lights and I was shining my phone torch through it. And, and it is it has got more of a ruby hue to it. Yeah. But then if you've ever looked at a pint of Guinness closely, Guinness isn't black. No, and Guinness does have that sort of a red hue around yeah. the outside of it. When you look at it properly, there is a perception, but it's completely... Uh, dark you can't see through it there's definitely a hint yes around the side um but i mean yeah, i mean you know i mean we're probably talking semantics here ultimately is it is it good to drink does it taste nice does it smell nice is a good start anyway i mean obviously if you're putting this into a competition judgments are going to be made about whether it's a stout or a brown ale but i think 
You could probably go down either road with this one. I, I think I think for me, it's ticking enough stout characteristics. Yeah. So I, if if I did this blind, I'd, 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 I'd probably say it was a stout. Yeah, same here. Definitely. Even though we're getting things in different order, yeah. I would definitely say stout. But ultimately, coming back to the drink, again, Sean, the, the, the flavours that you've achieved within this beer, the... That the body that, that it has, the the balance, the the ease of drinking. You, you know, this is this is something that I I personally have always found on on these homebrew specials is how people can make beers of this quality in their kitchen, stroke garage <laughs> shed, wherever yeah, they wherever they yeah. choose to make it. But it, yeah. it, it, has, it has always blown my mind because over, over nine versions of this homebrew special now, if we include this one, that there's never been a beer that I've literally turned my nose up and gone, oh, no, that's, that's really not good. Every beer that we've had. And over time as well, they've consistently got better and better and better and the quality's got better and better and better. And, and this... This, uh, you know, there's none. Then if you put it this way, there's none of your beers would be out of place on a bar, um, Sean. And there's no, and there's definitely, I've, I've definitely had worse commercial beers than the three beers I've had tonight for starters. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't, and I don't I mean just in beers they like. I mean in quality. I wouldn't think twice about parting the money for the yeah. beers. Um, but yeah, I think you put it this way. I would say you're definitely onto something. Myself, um, firstly, thank, and also thank you for sending them to us. Um, quite happy to be guinea pigs. Um, so when you're up to nine, 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 yeah, just, just you know, <laughs> I, I, I can scan a QR code. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah, and I get, but what I, I'm with Steve about all of it. But like I said, I think just the conditioning in our glasses. Yeah, all three of these beers look like they have been poured through a hand pump. Yeah, mm. and. I'm going to go back again, the, the best bitter, more so than the other two. Now, you see, I think people might not be surprised at me maybe saying that. I found... Uh, yeah, but it's, I think it's a more recent. Real, recently, yeah, I've, I've really been craving traditional styles and best bitters in particular. I think the pandemic did that to you. Uh, 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 is what I go for now. I think the pandemic, because you had X amount of months of not being able to have those styles served the right way in the right places. Yeah, I... I agree. Actually. I think that's when yeah. it really came back to you is those kind of styles. Um, whereas obviously the, we often said it before about me being cast, you being keg as our default options. I'm not sure you could always say that now. No, I will always look at cast probably first. Probably go for cast first yeah. these days, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, these have been really, really good. Um, what you may want to do is tweak them. And so when you talk about tweaking them, so obviously you said about your numbering system. Mm. Have you done much of that before? As in, because most home brewers often will go, right, I've done my stout. All right, I'll do my best bitter. I'll do X, Y, and Z. Now you're talking about almost refining and honing, aren't you? Yeah. No, I, to be honest, as a home brewer, I've, I've generally wanted to brew something new and different every single time um there's been a few exceptions to that there's been a few beers that i've produced that i thought yeah actually that was really good i want to do that one again um sometimes it's because you know you know maybe like a family member or a friend has really appreciated it so I, i've done it again 
for them. Um, so during the first, no, it was before the first lockdown, actually, I, I did a, a West Coast IPA um, with my eldest son. And it was, you know, he wanted to have a brew day experience with me. He'd never brewed before. So it was like, what kind of beer do you want? West Coast IPA. Okay, let's design a recipe together. Did that, brewed it, shared it with a few people. Somebody else said, oh, that's fantastic. Can you brew me some for Christmas? So I re-brewed it. And, and then I, oh, and then, then there was somebody else wanted some. So there have been some beers like that that have been really popular that I've re but by and large it's been something different every time but that recipe I've, I've tweaked it a little bit and I have dialed it back a bit um just thinking in you know in, in well yeah just having a feeling that perhaps 7.2 was a bit strong to go out over the bar necessarily so I've dialed that back it's still hmm, what is it I think depending on on where it ferments out at it should be around about just under six percent um and that's i knew, in the I knew he was going to go for around 5.8 yeah <laughs> i mean well to be fair i mean you know as we found out with our red dancer with lee he said there's the that high abv to be it's too big. big yeah so yeah. as much as individually you might enjoy it and yes yeah we did try to session it one night i did my best yeah but it's not a <laughs> It's not a sessionable strength, is it? No, no, absolutely not. But and 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 I think that that what you're saying there, Sean, is you know dining it down to around six percent is 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 probably a, a a sweet spot for a West Coast IPA right now because yeah. that we we seem to be seeing the market swinging back towards wanting more crisp bitter beers, and which is great. But if if they're good, you you want more than one. And if you want more than one, then it has to be it's, still it's got has to, to be hit. decent ABV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you can't have everything. Big Eagle was dialed down to by almost a percentage point. Yeah, yeah. Oregon Trail sits very firmly just under that six percent. So yeah, completely makes perfect sense. I just want the seven point two version. <laughs> yeah, as a brewer, as a brewer, you know, you want a, you know, if if you're selling a, you know, a keg of it, you want a keg, you know, a keg to be able to turn over in reasonably short order so everyone's going to be enjoying it in good nick um and you know you want the you know the bar that's bought it's going to, to be able to you know turn that keg over and, and feel that it's worth buying again um you know what you don't want is i mean keg, keg beer lasts longer than cask beer but it doesn't have an infinite shelf life once it's been approached so you know you don't want a keg to be sitting around for a week or two and getting tired and and, and people drinking a substandard pint and you don't want a bar to think well i bought that beer but it lasted forever and i couldn't get rid of it um so yeah you as there's a commercial decision about producing a beer that's going to sell at a speed that is going to going to work for, for an outlet so, so other than the west coast ipa that you've got fermenting right now what what are the next couple of beers that you're you, you, you've got brewing at the moment the next few beers that are planned are uh, you know like new iterations of of beers that i've already done um so i have got i've got the west coast ipa in, in a fermenter at the moment i've also got another batch of the best bitter in a fermenter because that's going to be going into a competition so i need to brew another batch of that um and i've got rebrews planned for the the pale ale and also the the american stout we're drinking now 
Um, I've got a few ideas for, for new and different beers. Um, some of them potentially a little bit crazy and, and, and mad and definitely not going to be core beers. But one beer that I was talking to somebody about recently is a, um, a wit beer with, with gorse, um, which isn't going to be one for you, I shouldn't imagine, Steve, because gorse has a real coconut kind of uh, oh, flavor. Oh, to it's it. not going to be for me either then, Sean. Come on, Sean. What are you doing? So that's going to be, you know, for, for, for Sabro lovers. If anyone was waiting for that last last bingo box of <laughs> Sabro hating, they've just got it. So, I, you know, like in terms of beers I like to produce, I mean, I've got I, I've got certain beers that I'm working on that I, I see as being core. A few ideas of things that might be occasionals or seasonals. Um, I, like... <laughs> I haven't done a barley wine for a while, so I need to think about that. One. No, no, um, but we did have your previous iteration of a barley wine, your rhubarb yeah, rue barley the, wine. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was good. I, I do have a track record of brewing with rhubarb just because I had this really prolific rhubarb patch on my last. You had so much rhubarb <laughs> that you didn't know what to do with it, yeah. I'm going to put that all into beer. I know. Seriously, what you need to do is do a rhubarb wine and a rhubarb barley wine again. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I I have a a certain beer wholesaler who I won't mention has asked me to promise not to produce a rhubarb whipped beer uh, because that was an experiment I did last year. And actually, a lot of people really enjoyed it. But but, uh, this person I won't mention did tell me that I would never in a million years sell it. <laughs> so I don't I'd know. I'm not. Challenge. Yeah, I would say that as a challenge <laughs> yeah. as well. Is craft beer ready? For... Is is rhubarb going to be the next trend? I've, for I've had a few rhubarb. I mean, personally, I love rhubarb. I'd have rhubarb controversial maybe coming up. I'd rather have rhubarb pie or crumble over apple pie or crumble. I'll, I'll let you have that one because um, I'm not fussed with either crumble, to be honest. With you. <laughs> Um, but I, I think I think I, I think it's an interesting point that you make about rhubarb because isn't one of the very small range of core beers that Brew York have is their rhubarb Streisand. Yeah, and that sells up like hot cakes. Well, it's, that's why it's in their core range. Yeah. So I'm Great. not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, I I, I think you you're on to something. I mean, I I certainly remember. I know it was a good few years ago now, but we we both thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed your, yeah. your, your your rhubarb barley wine. Yeah, yeah. Well, perhaps I will revisit that. I do need to get another decent rhubarb patch because obviously that rhubarb patch is in a garden that I no longer have, well, legal access to. <laughs> <laughs> Just go in there when it's dark. No one will know. Yes, that's fine. We're not advocating that. By yeah, the way, and no one's listening. Yeah, don't don't go creeping into strange gardens and spinning in <laughs> rhubarb. Just for beer. That's that's pretend, never going to be a good thing. Or just pretend you were sleepwalking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on the beer? Because we've—I I mean, we are—we are almost done with this America style. Um, I, I love it. I think it's been the uh, perfect finish to, yeah, yeah. to the, the three beers that, that that Sean has shared with us. The do you know what? That's the order we would do it in a pub. That is the order I would do it in a pub. Yeah. We would go best bitter, pale ale, and a dark yeah, beer. Yeah, because you would assume, rightly or wrongly, that, that the best bitter would be on cask, so you'd have that yeah. first. The, the, the parallel would probably be on keg, so you'd then probably move to that, and then you'd, you'd, you'd go for your stout. Yeah, as, and as, again, as I think the stout, I think the stout would 
I think the stout could straddle both as well. Yeah. So I think the best picture is definitely cask. Sparkled, mm. up north. Yeah. Your, your job done there, Sean. The other two yeah. could straddle straddle both. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. it's been it's been fantastic trying all of your beers. Um again though, Sean. I know we've been lucky enough to have a few of your beers in the past yeah. that you've shared with us. So. I feel like you've upped it though. And that's not uh yeah, you've dialed something in yeah. that has taken it to another level. As much as I enjoyed the ones we've had in the past, I do feel like it, things have been honed in a little bit. Uh, it's not so much yeah. rough edges, it's just little bits that maybe I wouldn't have spotted without having something now, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like, yeah, there's definitely been a step up here, mate. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, hopefully that's a curve that's not reached its peak yet. It's something that, that I can keep on building on. Although um, we can't, we can't make a final judgment until we've tried the West Coast IPA. No, on, honestly, Sean, these these beers have been great, and also, I thank you for basically stepping up and letting us feature all three beers on on this homebrew yeah, special and, and your story. Uh, yeah, thank you, Sean, for, for letting us try all three beers um, and for sharing your 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 journey to this point, but also your 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 journey that might be still to come yeah I'm, I'm very excited as to what's to come for you mate I, yeah. I i i really am i think if you keep brewing beers this good people are going to buy them no i really appreciate that the good news for you is that uh you know i i do have a um an, an essex outlet lined up that might take one of the first casks when it's available uh but we won't I wonder where that might be <sighs> any 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 guesses <laughs> oh Rich, oh, yeah. I was I wasn't going to give him the airtime, but yeah, probably. probably. Uh, that's that's great oh. to hear. Re really looking forward to that. Just before we finish this week's show, there's just a couple of reminders that I want to put out to our listeners. We have got a few things coming up. So we've got social distancing sounds live coming up on Sunday, 29th of May. There are but a handful of places. So if you want to join us for an evening of head bobbing along to some of the most amazing vinyl tunes you're ever going to hear, spun by Rob Edwards, you need to click on the link in the show notes. When presented with the option to enter a password, you're entering your boy. They're all lower caps, one word, your boy, and you can get yourself a ticket. Tickets are free. Join us for a, an evening of social distancing sounds with Rob Edwards. And that is but a mere warm-up to what is coming the week after, isn't it? For the big event, yes. The the Queen's, no, sorry, the... Uh, the uh, <laughs> The summer sesh. The summer it's, sesh. it's almost here, Steve. It is almost here. We are, what, literally four weeks away from it, as we record? Uh, yeah, and by the time it's released, closer to two and a half. Two, to two years in the making, this, this summer sesh has been. Um, summer sesh was first discussed in Manchester 2019. Yes, because we decided to move to Crimbo Crawl because we thought summer would be a better option. The, the next place after Manchester was always going to be Birmingham and... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We've got we've got two days of activities planned. We spoke about it on the last show. We're not going to go over it again. No. There's a link in the show notes to what we're doing on the two dates. You know where we're going to be. Come and join us for a beer or many, possibly. Many beers. Many, many, many <laughs> beers. Many, many beers. It's going to be it's going to be a good weekend. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you there and having a few beers with you there. Martin, what is to come on the next show? Essentially. We are going to talk about the run up to summer. We're just going to talk about summer session. Yeah, yeah, we're, for, going to talk about, entire, we're going to talk about what we want to do, what we're hoping show. to find. Yep. Um, I mean, most of the, a, a lot of the places are places I haven't been to. 
especially on the Friday. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the build up to it's going to be really good. Social distancing sounds. We've got to talk about that, are we? We, we? we, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. I mean, presumably on the next show, we can maybe ask for can we can we put requests in on the next show? No, Rob doesn't do requests. <sighs> if, if, if you request something, he will actively not play it. It lets you not play it. Ban the artist yeah, forever. Yeah. So no, no, no requests. Just let Rob do his thing. We we know he's going to put together an amazing set list. We know it's going to be a good couple of hours. Um, and we know we're all going to enjoy beers because we're going to be drinking what we want to drink. But I do think we've got a few beery adventures to discuss on the next we show. We have got a beer, few beer adventures. It's not just going to be all about summer session. There will be beer adventures. There will probably be some housekeeping because that's the thing now <laughs> as, as, as well. But also there'll be uh, opinions to talk about, which we haven't really decided yet. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get there in the as, end. as and when the time comes. Sean, thank you once again for joining us this week. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on with us and to taste your beers. And we do wish you all of the luck in the future, mate. Yeah. All the best, mate. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you very much. And cool. just one final thank you to all of our listeners for joining us once again this week. And we'll look forward to sharing more opinions with you soon. Cheers. 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 Cheers.